Would you uh, stand with me this morning uh, as we honor God's word? As we begin, we're going to read one verse from 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. And I would like you to read it with me this morning. You guys ready for that? All right. Ready? Three, two, one. Forget about self-confidence. It's useless. Cultivate God confidence. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for rising up a boldness and a faith inside of us that is you, not us. In your mighty name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. I'm gonna grab a drink real quick. It is beyond great to be with you today. How are you guys doing? (laughs) Those of you that are joining us on Facebook or uh, YouTube Live, thank you so much for being with us today. And um, I just wanna give a shout out as we're jumping in this morning. Pastors Brent and Tana, if you're watching, you're probably not watching now because they're having services over in Sioux Falls this morning, but if you ever end up watching this in the archives, if you ever get to see this, I just wanna say, Thank you for always seeing more in me than I saw in myself. And, and, and how many of you have ever had Brett and Tana um, speak to you and be an encouragement to you? That is just who they are. That is who they are. Good to see you, Jerry. Um, and, and so that's really a gift. And, and those two are just really great at encouraging others, aren't they? And, and so they've always been that for me. Um, in my life, Pastors Brent and Tana, if you don't know, um, are the founding pastors of Destiny Foursquare, and they are moving into a new house that they just purchased over in Sioux Falls this weekend. And actually, Pastor Lyle and Pastor Patricia and Amy, they're all over there having a big moving party. They did that on Friday, and so they are um, kind of situating themselves in their new house. And so I just wanted to just give a shout out because I'm, I'm talking about confidence this morning. When you, when you see something in someone else that they don't entirely see in themselves and you call it out, that builds confidence in someone. And so I just thought of Brett and Tana immediately as I was um, getting ready for this today. And that's what today's message is all about because we all deal with some form of lack of confidence, a feeling of inadequacy or a feeling of insecurity. But there are other people somewhere, and for sure God, who sees you in your life, something that you do not see in yourself, right? And so for me, it doesn't take much. It could be a weird look, and I'm like, oh my, do I have something in my teeth? You know, I, 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 I could be really self-conscious of that kind of stuff. Or it could be an awkward moment. And uh, let's be honest, in the last couple of months, there have been a lot of awkward moments socially, right? It's just kind of this, the, the period that we've been in. Maybe you've been quarantined, you know, the last couple of months, and you just like forgot how to interact with human beings, <laughs> or, or it could be a weird comment, you know, that someone said, or just this, you know, it's the whole internal conversation that goes on in your head when you go into the grocery store, and you know, there's that sign there that's saying, you know, masks are recommended, you know, going in, and you go in, maybe you go in with yours on, and you think that, you know, people are looking at you funny because you've got yours on because you decided to wear a mask, or... It's the other way around, and you don't have one on, 
and then somebody comes up to you with a mask on and starts having a conversation, and it's just awkward. <laughs> it's just this awkward time. It's just an awkward, weird time. And so last weekend, last weekend was Father's Day, and um, I don't know, you, I, I was watching on social media and seeing on Instagram, you know, other dads, you know, doing um, grand adventures or weekends or, you know, big hiking trips with their sons, and, you know, I'm, I'm here on the weekends, and, you know, I love being here. I love, I mean, Sunday is my favorite day. I love church, and I'm thankful that my kids love being here on Sundays as well, but you can look at that. Any father can look at that. Any parent can look at that kind of stuff and you start comparing and you start looking at, at that and you said, oh, I can feel like a failure sometimes as a dad. Well, I didn't do that big thing that that dad did for his kids. And we start doing that. We could even get caught up comparing ourselves with our spouses. Deanna is, is, a, is a great, um, she's really great at loving people um, where they're at. And if I let myself, I can easily begin to play an unhealthy you know, comparison game. Well, I'm a pastor too, and what am I good at? And, you know, and I start kicking those thoughts of insecurity around. Those inadequacies start to rise, and I start to list those in my head. So let's just start today. Let's just start with this, by being honest. Every single one of us has lacked confidence in one way or another in our lives. And some of us, you know, maybe even living and walking in that right now. And it can take the form, several different forms. It can take the form of people pleasers, the people that I'm always gonna you know, be sucking up to the boss, I'm always trying to say the right thing, I always wanna be in your good graces. Um, or it could be what we call the fishers, those that are always uh, fishing for a compliment. It could be the young lady who takes a selfie and then posts you know, a, the caption on it, all natural, just keeping it real. And what's she doing? She's looking for somebody to combat and say, oh girl, you're flawless, you know, <laughs> right? She's fishing for that compliment. And, and, and I'll just say this too. There are some times uh, that I leave this room on a Sunday morning and I will go back to the house and I'll be feeling sorry for myself because I just feel like the message that I just shared didn't connect the way I wanted to. You know, that joke I told just fell flat and nobody laughed at it. And that made me sad. And I go home and I'll, I'll start to ask, I'll start saying some things to Deanna. I'll say, you know, I just don't think that connected with anybody today. I don't think that changed anybody's life today. And, and you know, what am I doing? I'm feeling unsure about myself. And so I'm just kind of fishing for a compliment. I'm trying to get a response, right? And we could be guilty of that. Then there's the, there's the one-uppers, the person that has the more important name to drop than the one that you just said, or they got a better deal than you that you just you know, were telling them about. Um, and through all of that, we're just trying to feel better about ourselves. There, those are just some of the, the, the mechanisms that we use to deal with a disease that every single one of us deals with on some level or another. And it just doesn't make us feel bad. Here's, here's why we're talking about this today. It doesn't just make us feel bad, but what it does is it robs us of the purpose that God has created us to live, and we, if we allow it to. And so it's gonna lead you to maybe not do the interview that God was you know, leading you into. You're, you know, God's telling you to go take this job, but you're saying, well, I don't know about that. I'm not gonna move forward with that because you think, what's the point? I'm not gonna get the job. You know, or you're doing this self-talk. If I enroll in school now, it's not going to work. I'm in my 30s. Everybody else is in their you know, 20s. Um, or uh, I'm not going to get sober today because I know that, you know, Monday comes and I'm just going to take another drink. 
And so we start having these self-conversations and that is not a way to live. But these inadequacies keep us from doing the things that God knows are best for our lives. And so we're having this conversation today. Here's the thing, if you get anything from today, I want you to get this. We do not need more self-confidence. That's not what this talk is about today. It's not about self-confidence. What we're talking about today, here's what we need to cultivate, and I use that word on purpose, cultivate. That word is intentional. We have to cultivate a God confidence. That's the conversation this morning. That's what we're leaning into this morning. We need to cultivate a God confidence. I don't need self-confidence. I need to find a way to live my life with a sense of holy boldness like a lion. I love that we started this year talking about living with a faith that is bold like a lion. I love it. And so we're going there this morning. Why? Because here's the thing. If I place my confidence in me, Here's what scripture tells us about confidence in me, okay? Jeremiah 17 says, my heart, number one, is deceitful. My heart is deceitful. So why would I place confidence in a deceitful heart that is lying to me all the time, right? My heart, my own self, my my heart will lie to me. Jesus said in the gospel also, in the gospel of Matthew, the, the second thing, that my flesh is weak. My heart is deceitful. My flesh is weak, so I'm not going to put confidence in a weak flesh. I'm not going to put it there. Or Paul. Paul wrote to the church in Rome, Romans 7, he said that my behavior is inconsistent. So my heart's deceitful. My flesh is weak. My behavior, it's inconsistent. But look at this. Look at what King David writes in Psalm 57. He says, this is confident as our word today. So I want every time you see that in the scriptures that we're reading today, I want you to kind of take notice of it. He writes in Psalm 57, he says, my heart is confident in who? In you, O God. And then he says it again, my heart is confident. My heart is confident, O God. My heart is confident. No wonder I can sing your praises. Our lives have to flow out of a deep sense of identity who God is and who he says you are. That's where it starts. My heart is confident. And so today, I want to give us three truths to help you cultivate a sense of God confidence. And I say truths intentionally, too. Why do I say truths? The reason I say truths to cultivate God confidence is because of our our sense of inadequacy is often rooted in what? Lies. Lies that the enemy has spoken to us that we have believed to be true. (laughs) But they're not. They're lies. So somewhere along the line, we believed a lie a deception about ourselves, and the only way to replace and battle those lies is with the truth of God's word. Could I get an amen this morning? All right, so Paul writes in Romans 12, he says, do not be conformed to the pattern and culture of this world, but instead be transformed. And how are we transformed, church? By the renewing of our minds. And so how do we renew our minds? We replace the lies that the enemy has tried to speak into our life with the truth of what God says of who we are. So that's what we're doing this morning. So here we go. Truth number one, to cultivate a sense of God confidence. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Number one, my God is always for me. In fact, let's just do this as we're getting started this morning. Say it with me on three. One, two, three. My God is always for me. Let's say it again. My God is always for me. He is always for me. 
he is always for me. Some of you grew up with a sense that God was constantly out to get you, <laughs> that, that um, he was always trying to catch you doing something wrong and smite you with his wrath, right? And that's, that's not a correct picture of our Father, our loving God. That's not the nature of God. For those of you who are parents, think about this. Do you feel that way about your kids? Are you just sitting on the edge of your seat, just waiting for your kids to do something wrong so you can smite them? <laughs> no. No, in fact, if we catch them you know, doing something wrong, it's our intent to help them through that, walk them through that, learn some truths from their mistakes, right? And to begin to walk in the freedoms, to walk in, in the truth, that the, the parameters that we set that are safe for them. And so we, 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 we try to redirect them. We engage in the hard stuff because we want what's best for them, what's best for our kids, right? We want our kids to grow up to be people of freedom and people who know who God is. And so we have, uh, and have they, they, we want them to have a sense of the faithfulness of God, that he's a strong rock, right? That he's faithful yesterday, today, and forever. And so, um, I, I just want to give you a picture. You ever notice the most attractive person in the world is someone who's confident in who they are in Jesus? It's just the truth. Have you ever noticed that? You ever just been around somebody that just, they, they know who they are in Jesus and there's this God confidence that kind of comes from them. And there's, there's something, I think it's the most effective way you can evangelize. You know, we talk about, you know, being a light, being a lion, um, is just to know who you are in Jesus. Because then the thing is, you don't have to seek out anybody. People will be looking at you and say, what is going on with that person? The world is falling apart and that person is just steady. That person is just like, it's like, it's like he's standing on a rock. That person is, is, there's something different. And so there's, when we know who we are, the world can be going crazy, but God is our constant. And we know the verse, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so I know who I am in Jesus and I know who God is. And that's what the Christian life is supposed to be. And it's supposed to look like, and it's always, you know, supposed to be for me. So Paul wrote to the church in Rome. Some of you guys know this. If you've heard this verse before, help me finish it. If God is for us, if God is for us, then who can be against us? It's not just a question, but a statement. My God is for me. My God is for me. Therefore, who on earth could ever be against me? It's saying it doesn't even matter what's coming up against you. It doesn't matter because if, if, if God is for us, who could be against us? In fact, I'm, I'm not even necessarily talking about other people, by the way. I'm talking about you, too. If your God is for you, how could you not be for you? Somebody needs to hear that this morning. <laughs> how could you not be for you? If God is for you, one of the greatest joys for me growing up was being so overwhelmingly supported by mom and dad. I'm assuming dad is watching on the live stream this morning, so give him a shout out. He's there. All right. Hey, dad. Um, and I admit it, dad, um, I was spoiled. <laughs> um, my, my, my next oldest brother that was staying at the house with us was 10 years older than me. So when he was graduating from high school, you know, I was about Zion's age, about 10 years old, somewhere in there. And so when he was graduating from high school, you know, I, I, and my other brother um, from another previous marriage was on the East Coast, so he was never, you know, grew up in the house with us. And so I was by myself. And so I was the uh, lone child. And when I started taking interest in music, um, I can remember um, 
you know, they would just take me within their, I don't, I mean, we went to every Christian rock concert within a 300 mile radius, I think. And, um, and, and then I remember a birthday early on, um, I, was, I was pretty young, where they bought me this nice keyboard and some speakers and a sequencer, and I just took off. I was writing songs, and I was loving it. And, and here's the thing. So I started, some of you know the story, I, I started in a, in a hip-hop group um, uh, in my junior high years, and that morphed into another hip-hop group, and that kind of morphed into a, some headline stuff that I did. And I did a lot of, uh, uh, played a lot of concerts and a lot of uh, music festivals and churches and youth groups. I like to tell my kids as I'm driving through rural South Dakota now, you know, the, the towns that have, you know, big populations, 150 people, I'd, we'd, we'd be driving through, and i say, I was big in this town. <laughs> Packed out that church. Of course, the room was only about this big, but <laughs> but I played a lot of concerts, um, you know, late high school. And so I have a picture, if you want to see, of that time. This is kind of uh, fun to look at. <laughs> I don't know if that's a pirate shirt, but it's really poofy. And uh, the wool socks and the gold bracelet, but kind of fun to look at. I thought I was all of that. Anyways, it's pretty great. Um, and and, and at almost every show, here's, here's what I noticed. At almost every show, all the places, all the little towns we went to, all the different um, you know, venues we played and festivals and all that stuff, there was mom and dad shouting the loudest. Um, mom was maybe the one shouting and singing the loudest and dad had the camcorder in his hand. And he recorded, I don't know how many hours of Shawn Michael concert footage. <laughs> we have an archive, we still have an archive on outdated tapes that you know, hardly anything plays anymore, but we have them. And so some of you know um, Ken Verhickey, he's a mutual friend. He was a part of a vital part of Destiny Foursquare Church for many, many years. He moved away uh, a couple years ago. I gave him grief because he moved away. About as soon as I moved back, he moved away. <laughs> and um, he's a good friend of mine. We've known him for many, many years. And the very first time I met Ken Verhickey was when he was playing at our church um, in Pierce, South Dakota. He was the guest itinerant uh, minister at uh, Living Waters Fellowship Church in Pierce, South Dakota. And our, our family was going to be his host family for the evening, so um, he stayed with us that Saturday night, and, and I, I remember, and he remembers, he can tell this story, it's so funny to hear him tell this story. He remembers coming in and chatting with mom and dad, and then he remembers dad pulling out the case of Shawn Michael concert footage and putting it <laughs> in the TV and just letting it play. And three hours later, <laughs> and so I think back about that. I think back about that, and I don't think I really even knew it at the time. Um, but I can get a sense of where my confidence was coming from. As a musician, as a young man that was developing my gift, I had a no fail, like every single show, front row supporter, singing louder than everybody else, chapping, clapping and, and videotaping and recording, built in audience and fan group wherever I went. And you know, I, I, I don't think I realized that at the time, but I can look back and see that now. Deanna, um, is simply an amazing person. Uh, she is, she is um, some of you guys don't fully know it yet, but our, our, our schedule for the last couple of decades has been 
um, kind of crazy. And you only kind of know the level of crazy if you have like more than five kids. We have seven now, I, I think. <laughs> and, and so, you know, somehow, even through all of her years of, you know, higher education and, you know, the last uh, few years, Deanna has managed to, to make almost every single basketball game and school concert and dance recital, I mean, through all of that and through all of our moving and through, through all of her education. And, and if you've ever been to a game with us, say, say a basketball game where Bella was playing, Deanna is loud. <laughs> she is the loudest person in the room. Some of you are like, yeah, I've been there. I was in the room next door, but I still heard it. <laughs> she is loud. She is the loudest person in there. And Bella would probably tell you that, you know, it was embarrassing sometimes. But, but here's, here's the thing. You could, you could be there and watch, watch the game and you could watch her play change. You could watch the way she handled the ball a little bit differently. You could watch, Deanna's back there going, yeah. You could watch you know, how she would get a little bit more aggressive. When, and why would she do that? Because there was somebody who she knew loved her that was yelling from the audience, I am with you, I am for you. You know, you better get that ball and you better go for it. You better post up, you better do all the basketball stuff. <laughs> And you would watch, you know, my young daughter's uh, aggressiveness in the game change. That's Deanna. And here's the thing. That's God right now in heaven over you. He is for you. He is for you. And he's the loudest one in the room. He is shouting down from heaven and he's just like, I am with you. I am with you. It's that, it's that song we were singing earlier. He is for you. He is for you. He is for you. Right now, that is just who he is. He is a father that loves his sons and his daughters. We do not live our lives chasing the approval of God. We live our lives out of the overflow from what we already have as beloved sons and daughters, right? Not seeking something, but recognizing that we already have his approval. Come on, come on, somebody. We already have it. And as a result, my life will flow out of that approval, I'm gonna get a little bit more aggressive in my faith. I'm gonna do the things that he's, a God confidence is rising up in me. <laughs> it is. And so here's the scripture. Do not throw away, the author of Hebrew writes in Hebrews 10, do not throw away, here's our word, this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great reward it brings you. You're hoping maybe to climb out of a mountain of debt. God is for you. Maybe you're trying to reconcile a relationship. Maybe a marriage, God is for you. Maybe you feel led to start a new business. Your God is for you. Your God is for you. You have to believe that, right? We have to believe that. And, and, and so he's not trying to catch you. He's not, he's not looking down from heaven with a disapproving look. He's trying to get us to live and flow out of his approval for us. He is for you. So secondly, here's what I want us to do. The first thing, my God is for me. Second thing, I want us to write down, my God always helps me. My God always helps me. Again, the author of Hebrews in Hebrews 13, he says, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say, with confidence, the Lord is my what? Helper. 
and I will not be afraid. The Lord is my helper, and I will not be afraid. So here's the question. Where do you feel unsure? Where do you feel like you just don't have the tools to do you know, blank or to be blank? Um, and, and what area do you feel like, well, I really need some help here? Our God will help you. That is who he is. One of the things, one of these things about this last season um, with as many challenges as it has brought has been, um, it's brought relationships to the forefront. Everybody, anybody notice that? It's brought relationships to the forefront. And the amount of conversations um, that I've had with so many of you, you know, in our congregation, it's just been so great. And, and to hear the stories of people meeting Jesus these last three months when the doors of this church have been closed, it's just proof that you guys are the light of the world and not restricted to being the light of the world in this building, but you're being the light of the world in your neighborhoods. So praise God for that. Because we have testimonies of people in their neighborhoods you know, getting their needs taken care of, people uh, in their neighborhoods having needs met, um, elderly that people that were, have been staying home uh, because they're at higher risk, so people are bringing them food and speaking prayers over them. Our God will help you he, because he is a helper in whatever ways you struggle. That's the church being the church, and it's so good to hear that. I love it. And so what he's done before, here's the thing, he will do again. And so all of the marriages that have already been restored doesn't mean that that's where God's power is ended. That can actually happen for you, right? The mountain of debt that has been paid off already in somebody else's life, that could actually be the story that God plays out in your life as well. The mountain, um, you know, uh, what, what if it's a family member that doesn't know God yet, but somebody else received Jesus last week, and that could be your story before the end of this day, that somebody that you love and you've been praying for says yes to Jesus before the end of the day. Our God is a God that stands by ready to help. It is in our weakness, is it not, that his strength is made what? Perfect. In our weakness. He is our helper. And so, let's be honest, some of, some of us are having a really challenging time, maybe even right now, I mean, tough season. But I believe that we can look back, and we will look back maybe a year from now, maybe two years from now, and you will see he was right there with you the whole time. And he was working. Maybe you don't see it. Maybe you don't feel it. You kind of thought um, you might, but you can see in higher definition later when we look back all the things that he was doing in our lives. Amen? I believe it. And so there's been several times in my life where I needed support. When I lost a, a really good ministry job in, in Denver um, was one of those because the church was going through some hard financial times. Um, it took several months to figure out what, what I was gonna do after that. I was picking up odd jobs here and there. I was you know, um, speaking, doing some graphic design, leading worship at different places. But feeding five kids at the time, we had five kids at the time, Feeding five kids and uh, you know paying rent in Denver, uh, which isn't cheap, it started to started to kind of look pretty bleak pretty quickly. And um, Deanna, she's always been a constant voice in my life, and she was one that you know was being affected by that financial shortfall in our house. But she never quit encouraging me. Um, she was always always been speaking life uh, to me. Um, then there were a couple other voices during that time. Tana Parker, I remember specifically during that time, sent a couple of long text messages that set my eyes on things that are above. And um, there was a pastor. I was I was. Uh, it was the summer season, and so I was doing summer camps. 
And I was kind of moping around after about two months of not having work and trying to figure out what the next steps were us. And um, we were in the uh, Missouri camp, so it was hot and humid. You can kind of feel the humidity right now, right? And I mean, it was Missouri hot and humid, so like 98 degrees hot and humid. Uh, and we, we were sitting there and I was kind of moping around, feeling sorry for myself. And a pastor there at the camp, she came over and spoke words that I'll never forget. I've shared this before, but it was just so powerful to me. She pointed to my son, Zion, who was along for the camp, who was playing in the pool, which is where all the kids were in the afternoon at the hot camp in Missouri. He was playing and he was, he was just, you know, having the time of his life, not, not a care in the world, not thinking about anything, not concerned about the financial position that, you know, our family was in. And this pastor came over to me and she said, do you see him and do you know why he's not concerned or he's not worried or he doesn't, you know, he, he knew about what was going on. He knew I lost my job, but of course he's, you know, whatever age he was at the time, he doesn't probably know all the the. the all the stuff that comes with it, but he, he didn't have any concern. He didn't have any care. And she said, do you know why that is? He said, <laughs> I was just feeling sorry for myself. So no, why? You know, I was kicking the rock, mad. And she said, it's because he's with you. And because he's with you, he knows that he's safe. He's gonna be taken care of. He knows that you're a loving father and you know, things are gonna be all right. And this is quick as she got that out of her mouth. And she said, you know what? You're going to be okay too because your Father God is with you and He is for you and He is a helper and He has good plans for you, plans to prosper, right? And she just started just quoting the scriptures to me and just kind of, you know, reminding me, letting that God confidence rise up that had kind of deflated into my own self pity and my self confidence had withered away to nothing. And she spoke that over me and the tears just kind of started flowing. There's, there's something about presence that changes the atmosphere of your life. And it changes the things that you think you can face or even the things that you can't face. In fact, this is how David wrote it in Psalm 46, verse one. God is our refuge and our strength. And then look at this. An ever-present help. I think that it's his presence that is the help. An ever-present help in time of need. It's his presence. An ever-present help. I believe his presence is the help. If you find yourself in a situation where you don't know what to do, what tool do you use in your life? Google. <laughs> If you find yourself in a place where you've left, lost all self-confidence, you kind of feel like you're in the, the, the deepest and darkest place, I've got a tip for you. Invite the presence of God into that moment. He's with you, right? God is Emmanuel, God with us. He, he goes with us wherever we go. Just invite him to show himself and reveal himself in that situation. He is an ever-present help. His presence is the help. Holy Spirit goes with us wherever we go and he gives us power. He gives us sometimes the words to say, right? When we don't have the words to say. He gives us the words to pray when we don't have the words to pray. God is for you, number one. God is, he will always help you. And here's the last one. I love this one. My God is still working on me. My God is still working on me. Case in point, 
Here's, here's one of the more embarrassing times in ministry in my life. I've got lots of them. But um, Deanna and I have told this story before. Some of you might remember it. We're leading a group of teenagers on an outreach service project trip in Mission, South Dakota. Remember a few Sundays ago, um, I was talking about mowing the tall grass and the weeds and that had gotten out of hand. Well, that story, this trip was where that memory came from. And we were doing some ministry, some outreach uh, with a part, church that we were partnering with. Our, we had taken our Destiny Youth Group down there um, to Mission, South Dakota. And we had just finished a hard, hard, hard day. I mean, it's the kind of work day where you get done and your back is just ready to hit the bed. And, you know, sweaty, stinky, all of that. That's what we all were. And so this is with a group of teenagers. Mike, were you on that trip? I don't remember. We, 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 I know some of your kids were on this trip. Sandy's uh, Timmy was there. And, um, and so we get done with this day and we are just done. And so one of the things that you learn if you work with teenagers over the years is, you know, when it's the end of the day, you want to set very clear expectations for when the end of the day is so you can get some sleep, right? And so when lights out time comes, we had already communicated that when lights out time comes, you know, that's when everybody is done with brushing the teeth and combing the hair and doing whatever they do at the end of the day. When that time comes, you need to be in your bed and it is quiet. I mean, like nobody talking, we're done. We're going to get eight hours of sleep. Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> that's, that's the goal, right? And that's sure. <laughs> so we get to the end of the day and I, I tell you, my boys were just angels. They get the, I was with the boys. We were downstairs. The girls were upstairs. <laughs> my boys, I think part of it, we were just all dead tired. And we got in our sleeping bags and um, turned off the lights. So, you know, no talking. And then, you know what I hear? I hear the sound. <laughs> I hear the sound of singing and laughter and chatter coming from upstairs, and it made me mad. <laughs> and here's the thing that tipped me, this is, this is what, you know, took me over the edge. Whoever it was that was in the, the sleeping bag, you know, in the room next to me, um, <laughs> this is what he said. Are you going to do something about that? <laughs> Because here we are, we're all being quiet, you know, lights are out, uh, you know, we were, we were doing our thing. And, you know, so immediately that just lit the fire. <laughs> I was, before I knew what was going on, I was stomping up the stairs, and I mean stomping up the stairs. Going <laughs> Again, not one of my prouder moments in ministry, but I was stomping up the stairs. And so Deanna was with the girls. I stomped up the stairs, and before I could even assess what was going on, I flung open those doors, I slammed the lights off, and I said something to the effect of, go to bed and be quiet, you know? <laughs> and I'm sure I said it loud. I'm sure I said it angry. <laughs> and I stormed back down the stairs, and I got back, well, I probably didn't even get back in my sleeping bag before I knew I was in trouble. And I heard some other footsteps <laughs> stomping down the steps. And Deanna and I had a good time of reconciliation. <laughs> that was probably, you know, several minutes, 30 minutes or so. And we could have been sleeping. We could have been, you know, enjoying that. But um, so as I found myself getting back into my sleeping bag, you know, after that conversation, I'm like, what, 
I'm thinking to myself, what is wrong with me? I'm a grown man who knows and loves Jesus. I'm a pastor, and I just shut down my youth group. You know what they're doing? You know what they're doing? They were worshiping. They were sharing testimonies. They were, you know, praising God. (laughs) And in my anger and my frustration, I, you know, I shut it down as their pastor. (laughs) So I apologize to them, I think the next morning, but um, I, I just acted like a fool is what I was thinking to myself as I got back into my sleeping bag. Does anybody get a little frustrated that you are still struggling with things that you're struggling with today? (laughs) After all this time and after all that God has done for me, well, here's what I want to tell you this morning. God is not done with you yet. (laughs) He's not done with you. He's not done. So just turn to your neighbor and say, God is not done with you yet. And then, and then turn back and say, that is a good thing. <laughs> and it is. God's not done with you. I love this. Paul wrote this to the church in Philippi. Being confident, there's our word again, confident of this, that God who began a good work in you will be faithful and just to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He is not done with you. You are a work in progress, not a work. You are a work in progress. I love that. This is a top five verse for me because I need it in my life. I need to know that God is still working on me. He's still completing that work in me. Even when I blow it, even when I don't feel it, even when I don't see it, he is still working. He's gonna finish it. God does not quit. He doesn't get frustrated when he sees me stomping up the stairs and say, oh, that's it. I've had it enough with this guy. I'm done. I washed my hands of this. No, he's still working on me. And he's still working on you. And it isn't, look at in the scripture here, it isn't until the end of days. That's why Paul writes, until the day of Jesus Christ. And so you're not done until you're walking the streets with Jesus. He's still going to be working on you. Until that day, you're still a work in progress. So be patient with yourself because God is patient with you. You still struggle with spiritual doubts? God's not done. You still struggle with getting in the word of God or or praying or getting in your prayer closet? Well, God's not done. You still, is there a nagging habit that you can't overcome? Well, God is not done with you. He is not done with you. Here's the thing, and here's why this truth is so critical for us, because if we continue to live our lives fueled by this sense of, you know, I'm not good enough, God made a mistake when he made me, it will render us completely useless. And yet the Bible says God has a purpose for you that is bigger and better than you can think of or imagine. So stop selling yourself short and rise up in God confidence. Can I get an amen for that? Stop selling yourself short and rise up this morning in God confidence. Your purpose is only as powerful as you living out the truth of God's word in your life. Some of you guys know my story, and, and, and this area of my life specifically, I'm telling you, is probably the area where God has had to do the most work in me. And I'm just going to tell you that there are still days where I struggle with 
some low-level inadequacy and insecurity, and, and maybe more than I'd like to admit, and maybe not so low-level sometimes. But God has transformed me in this area. And I lived a portion of my life, I mean, if like Deanna, when she first met me, there was, a, I was, there was a portion of my life where I lived kind of paralyzed, kind of just stuck in um, just needing approval, I guess it would be. And, and, and so I, I, I just need you to affirm me. I need you to like me. I need you to celebrate me because I'm not so sure about me. That's kind of who I was. I was quiet. I was, I mean, I didn't talk unless, you know, I was spoken to and then you were lucky if I spoke to you. I was just that guy. I was quiet. And so some of you, you know, struggle with that kind of, some of that kind of stuff right now. So that's, this is where we need to stop as we're, as we're wrapping this up today and say to God, I just want to be free and I want to be free of these lies that, that I'm just a mistake. It seems like everybody else got some kind of aspect, uh, you know, of, of your handiwork, but somehow here I am on a scrap pile and that's how we can feel sometimes. And for me, there were a couple different times where God just broke through all of that, the lives of the enemy, and just affirmed deeply in me and just kind of spoke to my spirit, man, Sean, I love you. And specifically, there was a time I was, we were at a youth conference. I was in the back and, and, you know, God was doing things. And he started speaking that to me. And my initial response was, well, yeah, thank you. You know, that's really cool. Thanks for doing that. But then he just started speaking it again and again and again. Sean, I love you. No, Sean, I love you. And in that moment, what I known in my life intellectually in my head for all those years growing up, you know, going to church and all of that, it just kind of made this trip down to my being and my spirit. And I immediately went to my knees. And I mean, I cried rivers that night. Just being aware fully of his unending, overwhelming, never ending love for me. And it brought me to my knees. And you may be at the, the bottom of the bottom, but your circumstance We've been saying this throughout this whole series, does not define who you are. And what I want to happen is, I want a moment for you where you, know, you realize it in your head, you've had that there, but you experience it in your whole being, in your spirit, in your very being, that you are enough. And the Bible says that you're more than an overcomer, right? By the word of the lamb and the word of his testimony that you're blessed coming in and you're blessed going out. We can pull it from the book of Numbers, right? That the promises of God are yes and amen for those that are in Christ Jesus, that you are seated, right? With Christ in a heavenly place, all of those things. You are co-heir of everything God created with Jesus. That is who you are. And that's probably maybe kind of circling up somewhere in our head for most of us, but I need and I want us to feel it right here because it will change you and it will render you dangerous spiritually when you live with that sense of a wonder and you set your eyes on things above and that God confidence begins to rise in you. And then no matter who you are, all of a sudden you can say, well, I don't need you to like me because I know that my God is crazy about me. Would you stand to your feet as we close? The worship team's gonna come on up and we're, we're just gonna just close with the time of worship. Um, even those of you that are worshiping with us online, you might wanna consider um, standing or getting in a position where you're ready to worship because uh, that's what we're gonna do next. And here's why. Worship 
is warfare. And when you declare in the context of God's people gathered together who he is and who um, he says we are, I believe this can be a mountain moving moment for us this morning, okay? And so I just wanna sing, uh, give you some of the lyrics of this song. We're gonna sing a familiar song um, this morning about him being a way maker and also one that's probably gonna be new to some of us this morning. But let me just highlight some of the lyrics before we begin. Speaking to God, you are the way maker, you make a way when our backs are against the wall, my self-confidence isn't there, and it looks as if it was over, you make a way. And we're standing here in this room right now only because you made a way. And here's my favorite part. You move mountains. You cause walls to fall with your power. You perform miracles There is nothing that is impossible because of who you are. That's what we're gonna sing as we close out tonight. So my hope is that as we sing, a holy confidence will begin to rise in your spirit, in your gut, in your very being, that he is the God who makes all things new. So your messed up thoughts, God can make your mind new. Your past that you tried to define you, God can redeem that and he can make that new. God is a God that makes all things new. And so I want us to to lift our voices and let this kind of be a war cry and maybe even a line in the sand for us this morning that I am not going to live out of this inadequacy anymore, but I'm going to live my life out of who God is and who he says I am. Amen. Okay, let's worship. Thank you, Father God, that you make that way, that you um, want us to, to not be boxed in, that you don't want us to be blocked from what you have for us. I thank you, Lord, that you light that way, you shine the way, you make it, you push through any barriers, any problems. We know that we can have confidence in you, that you have all the information, all of the solution. And we can rest in you knowing that your way is good, that your way betters us.
never stop working. I don't know how, but you did it. confidence rise up in us. So if that's you this morning, here's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to be the first one to raise my hand. I raised my hand in the first service. I'm going to raise it again. If you are here this morning and you struggle with inadequacy and you've believed lies that you are not enough, I just want you to just be bold this morning and raise your hand if you're at home, you're watching the live stream, you can even do that there. We're just going to pray over you this morning, pray over all of us this morning. And um, let's just declare God's goodness, that the God confidence in who he is will rise up. He is for us, he is your helper, and he is still working. God, I pray over every single one of us, whether they're watching online or in this room this morning, who struggles with the lies that maybe don't seem to stop. And God, we just declare your goodness. I pray that you would transform us. It's you, you do the work. You would transform us from the deepest parts of our being, not just in our head that we know the things that we've read this morning, we heard the scriptures before that, but that we would know that we are enough, Lord, that we are loved sons and daughters of the creator of the universe. And here's what I want to do, just as I, as, I, as we finish this prayer, I want to read this last scripture over you as part of our prayer this morning. This is found in Colossians chapter 1. Paul's writing this to the church, and this is what he says. And this is a prayer over you this morning. He says, for we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people. He's writing to the church, which comes, listen to this, from your confident hope, your confident hope of what God has reserved for you. So let us rise and into all of that he has for us and let us go out of here this morning in confident hope.